Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to church today. My name is Matt Pineda, I'm the high school pastor here at Mount Pleasant, and I just want to welcome you to our service. Listen, I know that things have been a little bit different around here lately, and, and we're trying to do our best to provide the best online experience for you as possible, but I just want to thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been so encouraging to see everybody interacting with our online service and everything that goes into play with that. It's been awesome, and I'm glad that you're here with us today. What we're going to talk about today is something that's it's important. In fact, it's everywhere now. A long time ago, it wasn't so glorious. In fact, it was one of the most dreaded and painful forms of execution. Today, we wear them on our necklaces, we decorate our homes with them, and in fact, we even tattoo them to our bodies. I'm talking about the cross. That's going to be the focus of what we talk about today because it's such an important part of the story of Jesus. And it's something that changes everything for each and every one of us. I hope that today when you're finished watching this, you feel encouraged, that you feel challenged in your relationship with Jesus. But as we eye what is coming next week, when we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus on Easter weekend, I think it is so important for us just to, to pause and to, and to take a look at the importance of the cross. The cross is one of those things that we all know what it did, right? But sometimes we lose sight and we forget to understand the true importance of the cross and everything that it means. To a first century person living in the Roman world, the cross meant death. But to us, it means life. Why is that? That's what I want to explore today. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, however you're following along, I want to encourage you to turn to Colossians chapter 1. That's what we'll be today for our text in Colossians chapter 1. And as you get there, I want to tell you a little story. The story is about my daughter, Willow. She's four years old, and she was supposed to be starting her second season of soccer this week. And she started, uh, her, she started playing soccer last year in the fall for her first season. She played at the CLC, and I got to be her coach. And it was awesome. It was a great experience, and it was wonderful. In fact, I want to show you a couple pictures Here's a picture of the two of us at the store going to buy her very first cleats and very first shin guards and soccer ball. Here's another picture of us or uh, of her at her first practice. And she's I hope you're at home awing cuz she's so cute, but you know, she was small, but she was she was so fast and the reality hit very very quick at our first game. Because I realized that I don't know, somewhere along the way, I neglected the importance of teaching her a more complete description of what a soccer game would look like. You know, we had worked in the backyard and in the front yard, kicking the ball and scoring goals and talking about scoring goals. We spent so much time, you know, doing all the fun stuff, getting ready for soccer season. But somewhere along the way, I think I forgot to mention that there would be another team involved in this soccer game and that that other team would be trying to take the ball away from her and try to score their own goals. And here's what she said. That wasn't very nice. After someone had taken the ball from her, then she you know, ended up crying and being so upset. But she didn't recognize and understand why somebody would be so mean and to take the ball away from her. Now, this is my fault as her dad or as her coach, and she didn't understand this. So you see, it's important to know the rules to the game. Right? When, when you know how the game works, you can appreciate it so much better. And I think this is so true with the cross as well. 
When you can recognize the importance of the cross more completely, I believe that we can appreciate exactly what happened on that day. That's going to be my goal today, to give you a more complete picture of the importance of the cross. So, let's get started. I want you to join with me as we're going to read our text today. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, and I'm going to be reading from Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. Here's what it says. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Thank you for joining me in reading our text today from God's Word. Like I said, what I want to do is just show you the importance of the cross from these words from the Apostle Paul. And if you take notes, here's the first idea I want you to consider. Number one, the cross is important because of who was on it. You see, realizing who Jesus is will be the key to recognizing the importance of the cross. Who was on it is what makes it so special. You see, Crucifixion was invented 400 years before Jesus ever walked this earth. It was by the Persians, and then not long after that, the Romans came along and they perfected it as this ultimate punishment for the most serious criminals. But the reason that we celebrate the cross, the reason that our cross is so important, is because of who was on it. It was Jesus Christ. He's the one who existed before anything, the one who is supreme over creation, the one through whom everything was created. He holds all creation together. He's the head of the church. He's the beginning and the end. This is how Paul puts it. In fact, he summarizes so beautifully from our text. Look at it. Verse 19, he says this, For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. Jesus is God, and he was manifested in the flesh during his time on earth, and that is what makes the cross so important for us. You see, there is this, this is the branch of Christian theology that's called Christology. Christology is this idea that it's what you believe and understand about the nature and the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, from our text, this word live, in other versions it says to dwell, but it's this Greek word katoikeo. And it means this, to inhabit, to settle, or to inhabit permanently. This is not the idea that God's spirit was in this man while he was the Messiah. No, this is the idea that this man is 
God. That, for many people, can be a sticking point. And Jesus was fully human and fully divine. I mean, that's what Paul says here when he says this, For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. It was clear that to everyone that was around that Jesus was a man. I mean, he, he walked, he talked, he ate, he drank, he cried. I mean, he did all those things. Everyone believed that Jesus was a man, but was he God? That's Christology. And we could spend an, enti- I mean, we spend an entire seminar talking about ways that Jesus proves to be God. We could look at how he has all the attributes of who God is and the things that he said about himself. But altogether, we believe that Jesus was God in the flesh. And knowing, knowing that the creator of all things was the one who was on the cross, it changes everything. Do you remember that iconic scene from the movie, The Sandlot? If you've seen that, maybe you know what I'm talking about, but here's how it plays out. Porter, this, this young boy, hits a home run, and the ball goes over the fence, and now, now they can't play no more, right, because they don't have a ball. So Smalls, who's new to the neighborhood and new to these, new to these friends, he goes home, he grabs a ball out of his stepdad's office and brings that ball and says, here, we can play with this. Guess what? Smalls is up to bat. And Smalls isn't good at baseball, but for some miraculous moment, he hits a home run. The ball goes over the fence into the backyard of the beast, which they're all terrified of, and now it's gone. And as Smalls is rounding the base, he stops, and everybody's like, man, what's, what's going on? What's wrong? And he realizes that that ball might have been a little important. And through the series of a few conversations, he quickly realizes that that baseball was not signed by some lady named Baby Ruth, but it was signed by Babe Ruth, the greatest baseball player to ever live. And as soon as he realized who signed it, it changed everything. It changed everything for those those boys and their entire summer because it was so important based on who signed it. And that is the same thing that makes our cross so important because of who was on it. Paul, a few verses later, in the, in the same letter to the church, he writes this in, in chapter 2, verse 9. He says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. You see, it was God on that cross. How often, how often do you think about that? How often do you think about the truth and the reality that the most supreme power in all of the universe was willing to die a brutal death? For you, you see, the cross was no simple death, and we've talked about this. It was preceded by a flogging or maybe multiple floggings. And then carrying that wooden beam to the gravesite, the nails, the sun, the sweat, the tears, the agony of lifting yourself up just to get another breath. The hours of excruciating pain, the embarrassment, all the while the people who you love the most watch. The Alpha and the Omega, the King of Kings, the beginning and the end, the one who will sit on the judgment seat, the one who will make every knee bow and tongue confess that he is Lord, was willing to die that way for you and for me. Jesus was more than just a man. He was God in the flesh, and that truth compels us to see the importance of the cross. But even more than that, I want you to see this because I believe this is true. The cross is important because of what it did. Look back at our text here in 
and verse 21 and 22. This is what Paul says. He says, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. What a powerful statement. What a truth to believe in. Church, this is the gospel. Paul says, you were his enemies. Now, maybe you've never thought of it that way. When I think of enemy, I think of things or teams or people that are just against me, right? That, that, are, that are just against me. When I think of enemies, I think of like Colts and Patriots, or like maybe they used to be. Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Batman, the Joker, Thanos and the Avengers, Chris Franklin, Mike Sheely. Well, maybe not that one doesn't fit the bill as, as well, but you know what I'm saying, right? The, an enemy is like they're pulling in one direction, you're pulling in the other direction. It's like a tug of war. Who's against me? But check this out. This word for enemies is this Greek word ekthros, and this is, this is crazy to think about. It means, and when you translate it, it means hostile, hated, and bent on inflicting harm. Now, I don't know about you, but that is not how I would describe myself in my relationship with God. Or even before I've started following Jesus, I wouldn't describe myself on as hated or bent on inflicting harm. I wouldn't say that I was an enemy, but that is exactly what sin does. Sin makes us enemies with a holy and a perfect God because God does not promote, endorse, or accept sin ever. He can't be in the presence of sin because he is He's holy. And so sin is what makes us enemies to God. Now, now it makes much more sense. When Paul says this, we were separated by our evil thoughts and our actions. Our sin has caused separation between us and God. And this, this is our terrible reality that we have before us, that we, can't, we cannot have a right relationship with God when sin is present in our lives. We cannot come before him. We are separated. We are apart. We are distanced. We are eternally distanced from God. And for many people, I think, for many people, that reality is so true for them. It's the reason that they don't come in church doors. It's the reason there's a divide between following God or not because their sin keeps them away. Sometimes we just, we naturally do this to ourselves, don't we? I remember when I was a kid, I crashed my grandma's golf cart into a statue. I don't know what I was doing, but I was outside driving this golf cart around and I ran into the statue, knocked the thing over and broke its arm off. And my natural response, my first response was to leave the crime scene, to go inside, to hide in a room and hope nobody would find me. Now, that was such a bad response because it didn't take long for my mom to find me. But that reality, I think, isn't that sometimes how we deal with sin? The, the sin that's in our lives, we become so ashamed and so separated by what we have done, we don't even try to go into his presence. I wonder, I wonder, have you ever stopped praying because you felt guilty about how you lived? Do your actions and your thoughts make you maybe not want to come to church sometimes because you can't just live with yourselves? So I think we can all identify these moments in our lives where our sin has, by our choice, by our own choice, our sin has pulled us away from God. I wonder how many people listening today have, you've been distancing yourself from God 
because you're ashamed of the way that you're living. Maybe that's you. Do you ever wonder? Do you ever wonder if, if God could and would forgive your sin? Do you think it's possible that God would look at you not through the filter of what you've done or, or, or maybe what you didn't do or maybe what you said you would do but you never did or maybe the thing that you said you would never do but you keep on doing anyway that he doesn't look at you like that but he looks at you through a different filter? Is it possible that God could remove your sin? That it's not what identifies you and it's not what determines what you deserve. How can, how can Paul say this? I, I think the reality is, is because he lived it. I mean, Paul was the enemy to Jesus. He was the person that was dragging men and women out of their homes and putting them in prison for talking about Jesus. He was the enemy. He didn't think that he was, but he was. And then one day he was confronted by his sin and the direction of his life. And Jesus, instead of giving Paul what he deserved, he gave him grace. He gave him a second chance. Paul was given a new beginning. Friends, I want you to hear me. Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, has erased and eliminated your sin. And in the words of Scripture, you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That is the promise that we have, that we will be blameless before God. I hope that someone wherever you're at right now, is saying amen because that is the beautiful truth that we get to live with. The cross above anything else is so important because of what it did. It created reconciliation between us and a holy God. That's why we wear it on our necklaces. That's why we decorate our homes with it. The cross is the representation of the event that eliminates our penalty for sin. And it reminds us that we have a God that was willing to take that price for us. Without the cross, there's no justification for sin. And there always has been a price for sin. In the Old Testament, we have this whole sacrificial system, right? Where the blood of goats and lambs were offered for the heirs of the people day after day. Sacrifices went before God to make up for people's sin until Jesus came on the scene. And when he came on the scene, he took the sacrifice of himself because of who he was and he made it possible for us to be cleansed forever. The writer of Hebrews says it like this, for by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Church, this is the truth of the gospel that each of us get to celebrate. We are made perfect because of the work that happened on the cross. So, it's important because of who was on it. It's, impo- it's important because of what it did. But there's one more idea that I want you to consider. This may be the most significant for us. The cross is important because of what it means for us today. Here's what Paul says in verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. This is the closing argument Paul makes is that because of who was on it and what it did, the cross now has meaning for us today. And its meaning is that when we believe this truth, then we get to stand firmly in it. And I'm not just talking about meaning as in one day we get to go to heaven. No, I mean that it has meaning for you right now, right now, today. One of the things that 
I see, unfortunately, as a high school pastor, is how young people's faith can sometimes change when they leave and become a young adult. You've probably seen that in your life as well, and we could talk about a lot of reasons of why that's true, and I don't want to oversimplify things, but here's what I want you to think about. Could it be boiled down to this idea, that their faith was not grounded in what happened on the cross? Maybe we should be spending more time talking about the truth of who Jesus is and what he did, because when we have that down, like like fact-filled down, then I think the rest of our faith falls in place. There are so many things that we, that we call faith, right? Like going to church and how you live your life, the do's and don'ts, and on and on. But what I believe Paul's saying here is this. When you believe that the Son of God went to a cross and died in your place and that you are now reconciled with a perfect and holy God because of that, it changes you. And it changes the way that you live, or at least it should, because it means this. And no matter what happens, no matter what happens in your life, it doesn't change that truth. It doesn't change who Jesus is. It doesn't change what it, what it did, and it doesn't change what's going to come. And that's, that truth has such enormous implications for us. So during the social distancing, there's been no sports on TV, right? And that's been really rough for some of us, right? Because sports are uh, a great thing to talk about, great conversation, something to entertain you. So without them, you know, you've probably seen this, that some stations are broadcasting old games. And that's great. There's nothing like watching a game and you already know how it's going to end. Unless that gives you the opportunity to enjoy a comeback. And that's kind of what I ran into about a week ago. Because uh, they, one of the stations was airing an old NBA Finals game, and it was from a couple years ago, and I remember watching this game live because my favorite team was playing, the Miami Heat. What? I don't hear anybody booing, so you must be okay with that. So I was, I was watching this game, and I remember watching it live, right? I, I was watching it live, and I was tense. I was like so tense, and you could ask my wife because she was like recording me standing in front of the TV with my arms crossed, watching the game, pacing back and forth. Yeah, I'm that guy during a tense playoff game. And, and so I remember this moment uh, like it was yesterday because it was game seven, everything was on the line, and it, and it was so close. And I remember watching that live. But this time that I was watching it, a couple days ago, I was sitting on my couch, and I was relaxed, and I was enjoying it, and, and even in the times that the team was down, I was like, man, this is going to be all right. You know why? Because I know how the game ends. I know what's going to happen at the end. I know how the story ends. And that's what makes this truth about Christ and the cross so important for each and every one of us today is that we know how the story ends. I want you to look at a verse with me that the Apostle John wrote as he was given this vision of the end time, it, 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 when everything's said and done, John is given this vision of what it's going to look like. In Revelation chapter 11, he says this, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices shouting in heaven, The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Church, we know how the story is going to end, and that should bring great trump, great comfort to all of us, every one of us, that we can stand 
firm in our belief because we know how things are going to end. We think of this word firmly. I want you to see this because it's so important. This word, going back to our text, is this word hedraios, firmly. It means well-stationed, not moving off course. You think of like strong and sturdy and firm. That's what this word means. You, your faith does not have to be shifted and bloodied by the events of life. No, your faith can stand firm and it cannot drift because you know the truth that we have discovered today of who Jesus is and what he's done and what is to come, that what has happened on the cross, it changes everything for you. Everything. And it changes everything for what's going to happen in the future and that should change the way that we respond in this life. That is the faith that each and every one of us have to develop. No matter what comes at you in life, you can stand firm because your faith is founded in what happened at the cross and that the cross has the final word. The cross is important because it is significant, has significant implications for how we live today. We don't have to panic. We don't have to be afraid. We can live with the assurance that comes from the gospel and stand firm in it. So as we close today, I want you to think about this. This question. What in your life has overshadowed the importance of the cross? Right? When you think about it, this was the beginning of the most significant moment in history. The moment that God sacrificed himself to give you the opportunity to be made right before him. There is a single thing or event or moment that you can think of that is more important than that, and yet we don't often give it the attention, the, the attention and the importance that it deserves. Are you worried right now? With everything that's going on in our world, do you have fear, anxiety, unrest? Have you lost sight of the truth? The truth, the, the importance of the cross and everything that it has already done for you. I think sometimes... The reality is that we crowd our lives with so many things. Some of them are good things, but some of them are meaningless things, and they together can overshadow our relationship with Jesus. So I want you to think about this question. Where can you create more margin for Jesus in your life? Right? Where can you find more time for that one thing that is truly most important? Because when we do this, Little by little, we, keep, we become the mature and strategic and potent followers of Jesus that we were designed to be. And when we do this, little by little, you have a clear perspective. A clear perspective on the way that God sees you, and you have a clear perspective on what is most important. Church, I just want to challenge you to make time and room for Jesus in your life. Be reminded of the importance of the cross in your life more often. And I promise you, when you do that, your life can and will be different. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for how you love us. Thank you for Jesus. In that moment, on the cross, the importance of what happened to us, to our sin, to our fate was all changed because of Jesus' willingness to go to the cross to take our place and to give us the opportunity 
to be made right before you. We are so thankful for that. I'm praying today, God, that you would help us to keep that in our view. The, the importance of what happened on the cross, the importance of our relationship with Jesus, because it can change everything in our lives. I pray that you would challenge us and stir us to be more drawn to our relationship with you. We love you. I pray all these things in your name.